have a mom, she might be the bomb But ain't nobody got a mom like mine Her love's till the end, she's my best friend Ain't nobody got a mom like mine Welcome to Teaching My Mother ABA Where we put a unique spin on teaching ABA By using pop cultural references and real life stories So sit back, relax, and enjoy the shit show we call life So this week, our pop culture reference is there's nothing we can't do if we work hard, never sleep, and skirt all other responsibilities in our lives. Uh, and today we have with us uh, our amazing assistant director of clinical services, Katie Rice. Uh, no, so she, read, read exactly what Katie Rice wrote. She wrote her own introduction, and here is how it goes. Katie Rice is our absolute favorite employee as the Assistant Director of Clinical Services for KNOW. She is currently working to obtain supervision hours to become a VCBA. She received her Master's of Education in Curriculum and Instruction with Applied Behavior Analysis. She also has a Master's of Science in Family and Human Development. Katie worked as a parent educator for a local family resource center and became an accredited provider of Triple P, Positive Parenting Program. Katie's passion is in research and telehealth. Katie lives on a cranberry marsh in Wisconsin with her husband, three sons, one dog, eight chickens, jealous of that, and three fish. <laughs> Welcome to, I, and thank you for letting us know that you were our absolute favorite employee. I had wondered um, who that was, but now I, I don't even have to question it anymore. So exactly. I just was helping you out in true pretty form. <laughs> so I think the thing that is most, um, like our factuation with you is the cranberry marsh situation. <laughs> like that's all we talk about. Katie's 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 on a cranberry marsh. Katie's a cranberry farmer. I think it's because I can picture her in like a bath of cranberries, like on that commercial with her. Waiter. Oh yeah, like it's her and her husband standing in the middle <laughs> with yes. the forks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so that is like a huge talking point with the with the cranberry marsh. Everyone's fascinated by it. So I grew up in Arizona. So when I met my husband and he said that they grew cranberries, I was just like, you do what? <laughs> so now that I've been here for 11 years, it's it's fun to see other people's reaction. But yeah, he, he grows cranberries. That's his full-time job, so... That's so okay. So the funny thing about this is, is that whenever we travel, Britt makes fun of me because <laughs> if we're driving, I'm always so I'm a far like my family, they're all farmers, right? I grew up on a farm. They're all farmers. So every time we're driving th somewhere, I'm always like, I wonder what that crop is. I wonder what they yeah. do, what they grow what here. What? Or what kind of heifer is that? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I'm always fascinated by what people grow and how it works. And now I just, you know, instead of the like ocean spray guy, it's Katie in the middle of her cranberry marsh. It so fun exactly. fact, I actually got to meet those two guys on the ocean. Oh. Spray. So 
we grow for ocean spray so it's a grower owner cooperative so we grow for ocean spray so they actually came out to warren's because it's like the cranberry capital and um, we got to get our pictures taken with them so oh my god I'm so jealous. like so you're almost like you're famous yeah yeah, not really. Like you know the you know the cranberry people. Were you so, you met them? Because I'm always really weird when I meet people that I'm like, oh my gosh, you're I love you. Um, <laughs> maybe she might not love the cranberry guys. <laughs> like we're just assuming that she. Well, she loves a cranberry guy. Apparently, <laughs> I do. I do, and it's a family marsh, and so my father-in-law grows with my husband. So it's great. No, the the awkward would be me with Dr. Hanley. Like, if I ever meet Dr. Hanley, I will just get that one. I'll shut down. I don't. I, I well, first of all, I would recognize him. I'm sure eventually I would, but I feel like you would. His Maybe. voice. I think you would recognize his voice. <laughs> so I'm not good with like faces or names. Um, so that is either good or bad because you get me no matter what, no matter what your <laughs> like claim to fame is. Although I do have a really awkward picture with the pioneer woman because I like had planned what I was going to say to her at a book signing. And then I got up there and I like couldn't talk. It was very weird. Yeah. Whenever we're at a conference or something, if I meet someone who is someone that I really want to meet or is extremely important in our field, I do this like eyes big thing. That means that I can no longer speak appropriately and <laughs> mom has to try or has to continue the conversation because I've lost all facilities of my speech. I'll be like, so have you been in ABA long? <laughs> Yes, I think that's on our last podcast we talked about that with Gina Green. Yeah, I'm like so. Well, <laughs> oh, it was it's good. Okay. <laughs> At least you can ask them what do you do. You <laughs> were. Well, that would be, well, it used to be, I wore a baby around all the time. So at least now I'm like a little less awkward. Like I'm not like carrying a kid or anything. So they, I mean, I feel less awkward, but like lots of times when I do try to start a conversation, it usually is something kind of strange. Like, Oh, um, are you new to the field? <laughs> Have you heard about this? Do you know what ABA oh is? Do you ever heard of ABA? Oh my gosh. Well, the best part is we had an intern uh, who called the ethics hotline. And so she's in like her, she's almost done with her hours. And she's going to die if she listens to the story. But she gets off the phone and calls me and Kelly or we have a meeting or something. And she's like, yeah, I talked to this guy named John Bailey. <laughs> I was like, do you seriously don't know who John Bailey is? And she's like, no, but he was really nice and helpful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I remember that story. I remember hearing that story. So I would know that now just because I have the textbook, Bailey and Birch. But I would probably have to, in context, it would have to be like Bailey and Birch, right? <laughs> are you Bailey like, or are you Bailey and Birch? <laughs> yeah, I need to know. Oh, you're just a Bailey? Oh, I probably it's probably nobody important. But if it's Bailey and Birch, then like I'm like, oh, I feel like I... God, that name, or else I'll go to Brit. That name sounds really familiar. Like we'll be listening to someone speak and I'll be like, God, that name rings a, 
rings a bell. Skinner, mm-hmm. did he do something important in our field? I can't remember. I think my most awkward one was I ended up in a in an elevator with Hugh attached to me. And I think, were you in that elevator with me? And mm-hmm. uh, Patrick McGreevy was in it. And I have, it's not even a secret crush on him, but he is like, I love him. Uh, and I got to be on a one-on-one call with him and I had to call Mariah in because I couldn't even speak. So she had to come into the call, but in the elevator, I just like sat there. So there I was there. like, what did she have? Like some sort of like fit? Like what is going on? I'm- I couldn't move. I was sweating. Like <laughs> this was not, I couldn't even like speak enough to say hi. That would be me with Dr. Hanley. A hundred percent. Oh. The best part is you were probably nursing you at the time. I probably was. <laughs> Anything serious? Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh my um, gosh. Okay. So welcome, Katie. So now let's let's talk about how our last week has went. So I think our last podcast we talked about. I think it was called. It's called Day Three. So we talked about the third day of our traveling. Well, <laughs> we found out this past week. So we had to make a quick trip home. Um, Well, not home, but to South Dakota, me and my sister and all of our kids. And I act like we have a bunch of kids, but there's only four of them. Um, It's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. lot. But we woke up one day and everyone had just lost their shit. Like there was nothing. (laughs) I don't even know what happened. It was like a full moon and everything. But we, so we sat, we sat and thought about it. It was day three. It was day three that we were all together in this tiny house because my parents had a huge farmhouse, but decided to move into a tiny house and everyone was just kind of over. It's, okay. It's not tiny. It is. It's like a hundred square feet. It is. <laughs> hundred square. Yes. Oh my God. So it is 1400 square feet. It is three bedrooms. It is two baths, bigger than anything that you grew up in. Okay. So the problem was there is four kids, four adults, two large dogs, one dog that (laughs) smiles at you, it's creepy, a cat, and we're all, there's no playroom either. That is what I also think throws it off and makes it so small. Yeah, there is, like, it's one room. Like, we're all in one room. And then the fact that you and your sister have to share a bed and then sleep with two of the kids. Yeah, it is. Yes, it was. I think one night we had both kids in the bed with us. There was four of us in a queen size bed. Is that a queen size? I don't even know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It felt like a twin. But what <laughs> what came out of it was <laughs> we ended up with three sunburns because someone was sleeping and I couldn't find the sunscreen that was sitting right in front of me. So we had three sunburns. Two cases of COVID came out of it. One heart monitor and a partridge in a pear tree. It was just a hot mess. Hot (laughs) mess. Oh, the positive is everyone's doing fine, I think. (laughs) So nobody is, I think we've gotten over the COVID uh, again. Uh, And I had to soldier through. What are you talking about? That's why I couldn't find the sunscreen. Well, and we're going to take a nap. We were quarantined. So that's the other thing. So like South Dakota doesn't necessarily, I don't think they believe in COVID um, as a state anywhere in the Midwest, really. But so we did stay home. Mm 
And I think that's what the, like the kicker was that normally, so we usually, I mean, we live in the Black Hills, so we go to out to the state parks or whatever, but it was Memorial Day weekend, which is insane in the Black Hills. I had COVID and my other daughter had in, like, had, I think she wished COVID upon herself. Like, I feel like she I'm was going to get COVID. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're still on the fence of where I got COVID. And then, um, so we're just all trapped in this house. And then our backyard is still not finished. My husband has decided that we live in Sedona. And so everything is sand and rock. So we're continuously covered like with just a film <laughs> dirt. of dirt. And the children, I, I will have to share a picture of like my dream of my four grandchildren, like how I thought like I would get a picture of them. But there's literally a picture of them in this dirt lot with a mattress and they're like all playing with these two like junkyard dogs in front of them like it is uh, it's her so i think the best part is that it's her dream to not come off hillbilly <laughs> and you say we do use hillbilly in a very loving term just just in that sense but for anyone who is a hillbilly is, or from yes, appalachia are, like we love are, like we are we're country we're hillbilly like but it does not matter where we go. Like we travel in this like dirty. <laughs> I think most of us have our own teeth, but like, just like this whole, like we're just like a big pile of mess. And so my grandchildren, none of them have sh shoes on. Nobody's had their hair combed in a week. Like everyone had clothes on. So I feel like that was a win. Swim, they'd been wearing swimsuits for two well, days. I mean, nobody got a bath because you all were like, well, they, they swam in the kiddie pool in the front yard too. That's the other thing. Like they're in a kiddie pool on the front step because the backyard is all rock. Well, if dad wouldn't have had his heart incident and went to the <laughs> hospital, it might've been finished. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Okay. So that's it. That's How does that's what family travel. How do the cranberry yeah. clan travel? Yeah. <laughs> How do cranberries do they like travel fancy? Yeah. Or the like cranberry families. The cranberries themselves or the cranberry family? <laughs> the cranberry family. So we actually don't get to travel except for in the winter. So that is your farmer. Because spring, summer, and fall are our busy times. So mm -hmm. we only get to travel in the winter. So we usually go down to Arizona to my parents. And um, the last few times because of COVID, we drove and it's a 24 hour Whoa. drive with three kids under the age of nine. That That's awesome. Britt's favorite way to travel. Ooh, it is. Did you stop at a lot of places and get just random pictures? Because that's my yes. favorite thing to do. Thankfully, we weren't murdered. We were alive. And um, <laughs> how and was the gas station situation? Were there any <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it was, we were, we were solid. We're still alive. But um, um, fortunately, our kids are really good travelers since we live in the middle of nowhere. It's like an hour yeah. to nowhere. So they're pretty used to traveling. I think my husband did the worst out of all of us. 
That sounds about right. He won't let me drive because he says he wants to live. So (laughs) drives the whole time. Oh my god. So our problem is when Britt and I go anywhere, both of us get car sick um, from each other driving. So at some point, like one of us is drugged and the other one has to drive. And if like if it's if we're in the mountains, I would prefer it be me because Brittany drives like four miles an hour and Where like you can yes. Oh my god. So I don't think we've told my alpaca story. Have we told my alpaca story? Oh so my god. I do love a good road trip. That is my favorite, which we've already established. I prefer and I am reinforced by a good road trip. So I had my mom fly into Vegas when my uh, husband left. He had to do a year in Korea. And I was like, you can take Dramamine. I know you get car sick, everything. I'll pick you up straight from the airport and I'll drive. Well, we got I to- was dr- I took two Dramamine and a Valium because the flight was so bumpy. Coming into Vegas, as the word, it's like Denver, horrible flight. So I am literally like maybe- Half conscious. Lucky that I got her to the car. So we started driving. We stopped for food. We drove some more. I was like, we can make it to this one town. There's there's places to stay. Well, there were no open places to stay. So we had to keep driving. And all of a sudden we got into these mountains. And there are these animals standing on the side of the road. And so mom is sleeping. And I'm driving literally. I go slow and then stop completely. And then go slow and on the interstate in you. I think we were in Utah. Yeah, I I was freaking out, and I'm like, there are alpaca all over this place, just alpaca everywhere. Like woke me up screaming. I'm like, first of all, alpaca. Like (laughs) we get, are we in Central America? Like where are the alpaca? Like how did we get in an alpaca farm? Like where are the alpaca? They were elk. Which are very different than alpaca. <laughs> the semis, we're in this, we're in, oh. I don't even know what car we had, but the semis are like zooming past us. And we, she has not pulled over to the side of the road because of the alpaca. She is literally stopped on the, in the interstate. As the semis are going, and I am like, oh my God, okay. I had my flashers on. You did. And I'm like, we probably went four miles in seven hours. And I'm like, okay, I've got to like get it together. So I'm like, pull over. You've got to pull over. I'm going to have to drive. It was so bad. I was so mad. I like, I think I, what kept me awake was bitching at her for the next two hours about making me drive. And there was something going on in Utah that all of the hotels were booked. Everywhere we went. There was like oh, a rally okay. or something happening. <laughs> I don't the entire state of you. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But there is nowhere to go. Okay. Okay. Elk on like the side of the interstate and like you were afraid they were Yeah, I don't know what like I have never so they're a lot like mule deer. They're not afraid of cars. Like in the Midwest, like whitetail, like run in front of the cars. Mule deer and elk kind of just stand. Like when and you then go lift through their white- head. Yeah. <laughs> eating, just eating. So it is a little freaky, I guess. 
Should you stop in the middle of an interstate with 18 wheelers? Like zoom? Probably not. I do not prefer to drive on a mountain. I do not prefer to drive around elk. I do not prefer to drive at all, honestly. <laughs> if we want to know. Okay, so that moves us into our next segment. It's all relative. We're going to do it a little bit different this time. Um, so today our topic is preference assessments, if we ever get to them. So I have set up a preference assessment where I am giving two options, and you have to choose one of the options. But before we get started, I have a pop quiz. So, Oh, this is for Katie. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> What is it called? What preference assessment is it called when I give you two choices? Forced choice. Yes. What is the AKA for for forced choice? Oh, geez. Uh, Parastimulus. (laughs) I had to think about that one. I had to think about that one. All right. So would you rather have a gift of money? And we can, you can both answer these. So would you rather have a gift of money or a tangible gift? Money. It's oh, is it a race? <laughs> <laughs> you were just excited you could get an answer right. <laughs> I didn't know if, if a preference assessment, I'm assuming that you're writing these down and the next time I do something good, then I get to have whatever I choose, right? Isn't that how preference assessment works? You know, I do give preference assessments when our staff meeting, when we have games. And let me tell you, everyone always chooses swag. It's always the swag. Not me. I like the cold, hard cash. <laughs> okay, Katie, <laughs> gift of money or tangible gift? Um... I'm going to say money. Okay. That's right. I'm going to say money. All right. Walking outside or walking on a treadmill? <laughs> it depends on where I'm at. There's no no walking. That's not a I Well, if I'm somewhere where I can get murdered, I would like to walk inside. If it's somewhere I can't get murdered, I would like to walk outside. Okay. Yeah. Katie? Mine's, mine's going to be dependent on the weather coming from Wisconsin. So unless it's spring or fall, I'm going to say the treadmill. All right. Have a coffee or have a wine? Coffee. I figured you'd choose that. I'm going to say neither. So I actually don't drink coffee or wine. I drink Mountain Dew Kickstarts. <laughs> really bad. But they're delicious. Okay, but this is the first choice. So if you had to choose one. If I had to choose, I'd say coffee. All right. Um, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A or Zaxby's? Uh, Zaxby's. Um, I don't know what Zaxby's is. So I'm going to choose (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Oh, that's so funny. So Zaxby's is another... uh, um, chicken like restaurant. So we don't have Chick-fil-A back home. And so we were talking about it in front of my sister and she's like, what are you talking about? I don't, I've never heard of Chick-fil-A. When mom goes her, to her Chick-fil-A and Taylor's like, oh yeah, I really like that place. I really like some Chick-fil-A. 
I'd really love a Chick-fil-A. I love those sandwiches. Those are good sandwiches. <laughs> I'm like, it's not Chick-fil-A, but. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to okay. sometime. Yeah. Zaxby's yeah. is good. Mm-hmm. It I have is. like red beans and rice too and macaroni yeah. and cheese. Um, okay. So city living or country living? <laughs> So I really want to say city living, but I'm, I'm assuming like country living because like, I can't. You want to be city. You do. I do. I do. I want to live in like a big apartment building. I watch them on the tickety talk all the time that like have the, the, um, grocery stores in the bottoms of their buildings and like I just the the thought of being like super urban until I'm urban and then I'm like the whole time thinking oh my god like this is not for me last trip we walked up to Minnesota we walked through uh Ikea and you know how they have those little apartments set up she's like oh don't you think your dad and I could totally live in this no they could not not at all I totally could see it like Oh, I, but I don't have to be on like the second floor though. Cause I'd have to be able to take the stairs. So. <laughs> okay. Katie, which one? I'm country all the way. I've lived in both. Country is the way to go. Yeah. I like, I try. I can't. When I wake up in the morning and the long gets out of morning, I don't think I'll ever make now it's time to go to class and learn something. <laughs> okay, so today we are talking about preference assessments. Uh, when we first decided we wanted to have Katie on our podcast, we were going to try to bring laundry into it somehow because n- neither of us like prefer to do put our laundry away. <laughs> but I just couldn't. I I couldn't do it. I think that we need to talk some preference assessments. Um, so. <laughs> When we're looking at preference assessments, there are going to be two main categories. So there's going to be free operant preference assessments and trial-based preference assessments. So I have a pop quiz already. Um, Oh, and there's, oh man, and there's multiple stimulus uh, preference assessments. So now I'm sure I get a one in my teaching method, but so pop quiz. Is a free operant preference assessment an AKA for a naturalistic preference assessment or a contrived free operant assessment? I don't even understand that question. So I'm going to uh-huh. pass. You know, you can't pass on the exam, right? <laughs> pass. Isn't I mean, it isn't a naturalistic like underneath a free operant preference like isn't it like a type of free operant preference assessment okay yep yeah so it's a trick question it's both they're both can be aka's for the they're different types of free operant preference assessments so that was a trick question okay (laughs) so free operant preference assessments are when any operant behavior that results in minimal displacement of the preference in time and space, the activities that a person engages in most often when able to choose freely among behaviors. 
In this assessment, the observer records what activities the target person engages in when they can choose during a period of unrestricted access to numerous activities. The duration is me of measurement is taken of time spent with each stimulus or activity. And then there's the contrived and free op or contrived free operant and naturalistic free operant. So the contrived, so, oh, go ahead. So I feel like that one would take a lot of time. Like, right, it's more, so you have a room and you have like five different toys and then you're just really watching them as they, well, toys or whatever the, whatever you've decided, but you have to know like what would be like five things that you think they might be interested in, right? So that's a contrived okay. preference assessment. So naturalistic would be like, just in a so playroom. following Huey upstairs and seeing what he mm. plays with. Okay. Uh, the naturalistic um, is more. Okay. So contrived is when you're actually uh, putting your attention on the different stimulus. And then the naturalistic is when you're oh, not okay. moving anything. Like it's just a so natural just sitting there. environment. Okay. Yeah. So we yeah. really only use free operant in our practice right now, except for the older kids, we do use the um, forced choice. Okay. Yep. So the free operant is really just watching the kiddo and seeing what they interact with and then making a note of, okay, so I saw him pick up the ball. This is how long he played with the ball. I went to interact with the ball and he stopped playing with the ball. Um, he picked up the water gun this is how long he played with the water gun. I went to help play with the water. Or I went to play with the water gun and he continued to play with the water gun. So that to me means that the water gun is going to be higher than the ball the that ball. he played with. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then you have your trial-based methods, which um, you have your single stimulus, your paired stimulus, and your multiple stimulus. And within your multiple stimulus, you have your multiple stimulus with replacement and multiple stimulus without replacement. So our first trial-based one is the single stimulus, um, which can also be called the successive choice. So this is the most basic assessment available for determining a preference. It's when a stimuli is presented and a person, the person's reaction to that stimuli is noted. Um, the reasons you might use a single stimulus is if the in individual has trouble selecting an item. So in this instance, I would, we would be maybe sitting on the floor, sitting at the table, and I hand them the ball and see how they interact with the ball. And then I would hand them the gun, the water gun, and see how they interact with the water gun. So they're not choosing between the two, but they're being offered. I know my video, I teach with my hands. Um, they're not having to choose between them. So then the paired stimulus, which is also the forced choice, is consists of the stimulus presentation of two stimuli. The observer records which of the two stimuli the learner chooses. During the course of the assessment, each stimuli is matched randomly with all other stimuli in the set. And the stimuli are then ranked, ordered in terms of high, medium, or low preference. So this is when you have maybe, let's say if you have six different stimuli and you present two at a time. Um, so you have your water gun 
you're going to present everything with a water gun. You have your ball, you're going to present everything with your ball, and then you're going to rank which ones they choose and how often they choose them. But you're only going to do a field of two. Then you have your multiple stimulus. So this is an extension of the paired stimulus where the person chooses a preferred stimulus from an array of three or more stimuli. Um, by presenting the multiple stimuli together, the assessment time is reduced. And within this one, you have your multiple stimulus with replacement. Um, this is good for learners who can choose and scan an array, good for learners who have difficulty relinquishing a preferred item, more there's more time consuming, might not give relative preference if the child keeps selecting the same item selected. It might not give preference if the child continues to select the same item. So the item that is selected uh, is replaced. And then so the you, just keep you just keep replacing. If they select that item, you replace it with something else. Yep. Yeah. So the um, so if they don't want to choose anything else in the array, it's going to be hard to to come out with an adequate result there. And then the multiple stimulus without replacement is it's going to create a hierarchy in shorter amount of time. It's appropriate for children who can choose from an array and who can relinquish the items. And then the selected item is actually removed and there's no replacement in, in there. So you might start with five, you, you remove the one they selected and then eventually you'll be down to one. Yeah. Yep. So it could see where like, it could be hard if you have a kiddo that like makes a selection and then doesn't want to relinquish the item. Yeah. But so, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's their preference. Um, yeah. So I've ran into that. I've also run into, um, so like when Katie said neither for the wine and the coffee, um, I have done this. We did a video for, of Huey to show how to run these assessments. And in the one, so it was, he chose the Skittles. So he ate his Skittle and then I put two different option, options up there and he goes, I want the Skittle. I was like, well, this is not going very well. Um, but every time I asked him, he wanted a Skittle. He didn't want to choose from the array at all. What do you do then? Skittles are his most preferred. So we would terminate the preference assessment. Yep. And I think the other biggest confusion that happens is a preference assessment isn't a reinforcement assessment or a reinforcer assessment. So the reinforcer is going to increase that future behavior, but just because they prefer an item in the moment doesn't mean that it's going to act as a reinforcer. So the reinforcer assessment happens when we use those preferred items and record if it increases future behavior. Yeah. So those are the those are the two that tend to get mixed right up. because you think if you're doing a preference assessment that that's the reinforcer. Like if that's what they prefer, that would be a reinforcer. Yeah. So it might be so if we go back to laundry. <laughs> so I really prefer a good caramel frappuccino from Starbucks. But 
if Dustin offered me a caramel frappuccino from Starbucks, I would still not put laundry away. So just because I might prefer it doesn't mean it's going to increase putting laundry away. Yeah, no, that's true. Yes. So, so there, there has to be a reinfor- it has to be reinforcing. So it depends on how you're using right? it. Yeah. yeah. If you are trying to find a reinforcer, then your next step is to take that, those preferred items and see what can be used to increase the behavior. Right. So that's, that was going to be my next thing. So why would you do a preference assessment? To narrow down stimuli. So in natural environment teaching, it's an in, in incidental teaching. It's almost already built in because you start in that natural environment and you see what, what they're engaging in is what you use to target those behaviors. So that's why we don't really talk as much about the other ones because most of our approach at KNOW is incidental and naturalistic. Right. Like if I'm observing a client and I see that they're continuously building with Legos and that's what they enjoy doing. If they're, if, if they have their free time or they're not doing their work or whatever, however you want to phrase it. um, And they automatically go to Legos. I'm going to know that Legos is going to be a preferred item because they just naturally went to that. And so um, we had, I had, one instance where the kid was kept going to, he wanted to play catch all the time. And I'm like, then that needs to be like, if, if you do this, and the one thing I can only ever remember that Kelly's ever taught me, I mean, I'm sure she's taught me more than this, but pre-Mac principle, if you do this, then you get to play catch (laughs) if you do this. But I didn't like run a preference assessment. I just watched in the natural environment Yeah. So you technically were running a free operant without recording Mm -hmm. data on it. Yeah. I just went on my feelings. (laughs) Right. Uh, So in layman's terms, since we moved into some feelings, I'm going to successfully avoid that. Um, In layman's terms, really all it is is identifying their favorite items is what a preference assessment is. And you have just a few different ways to do it. And it is also something that I see people skip a lot that would probably increase their success with their therapy if they took time and did even that free operant where they just watched them interact with items. saw what the the kids like to do. Yeah. Do you you feel like sometimes we forget that? Like, I mean, you're so... I feel like sometimes that that you get wrapped up in whatever the problem behavior is or running your goals or doing all of these things that you forget to just sit for a minute and see what the client really likes and what they like to do. And um, I know that we talked about at the beginning of every session that you should kind of just do a few minutes of just that free time to see what that kid is interested in that day. Yeah. I do. I think it's not thought about. I think that a lot of times our BTs want to just go straight into learning and they mm-hmm. forget to to have that fun, which is where you identify those preferences for the assessment. That's what I always tease too, is okay. that they, um, that you're, 
that in that natural environment training where you can, um, you can use those preferences. I always ask them, what is their preferred activity? And if they've been observing them, then most of the time those BTs will know what their preferred activity is. And then I tell them, be creative and you can run your goals while they're doing their preferred activity. I think that's the other thing. Like natural environment is it's not this structured thing and it's play and it's a little more loose in what you're doing. Um, And that's why I like it because it's not so structured. I'm not as a fan of the structured. When I'm teaching and my students are like, so you don't make your kids just sit at a table. And I was like, I honestly am not a fan of them sitting at a table unless we're working on skills where they need to be sitting at a table to complete them. Otherwise. Yeah. Why can't you sit in a beanbag? Why can't it be on the floor? Yeah. If you want to stand, if, if they, if, if you're working on something where it doesn't necessarily matter that they're hopping up and down. I mean, if, if they're like, if you're having them identify colors or something and they can hop while they identify colors. I mean, that's movement is good, right? Like, I don't know. Katie, I'm watching your head, Bob. You do know that this is a podcast with a voice, right? <laughs> like the listeners can't hear. I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing. That's why that, I wanted to bring that up is go. because, is because we think like of sometimes I think that we get wrapped up in this um, like strict, I talk with my hands to Dr. Farley, like strict, um, <laughs> like it has to be this goal at this time. And we, you know, have fun. And yeah, it's not that it's when we use net, we can run those preference assessments without them even knowing we're running those preference assessments, or we can run those goals without them even knowing we're running those goals. It's all about that creativity Mm -hmm. in thinking, how can I use their preferred activity or their preferred item and still run those goals utilizing that? It's less like school. Not that I didn't enjoy. I mean, I've been in school for 50 years, so I must like it at some point, but it is less like school. Yeah. So let's talk about some real life examples. I was so proud of myself that I thought of like an actual real life example of where I saw a preference assessment prior to ABA. So the middle daughter um, got to do make a wish because she was paralyzed, but she can walk and all that kind of good stuff now. But um, so... <laughs> Um, so I was thinking about preference assessment. I'm like, make a wish. The process for choosing your wish is a preference assessment. And it is, I think, um, it would be the, I'm, I'm thinking it's multiple, multiple stimulus with replacement because you would choose like, so they had her do, a matrix of like 10 things that she wanted to do and they put it in a matrix for her. And then the lady that like helped her through the choosing of her wish would say, do you want to do this or this? And so she would select one and then they would replace the one she didn't select with a new one. And then they'd say, do you want to do this or this? And the one she didn't select though, not the one she selected. So I would, it's probably a forced choice is what I would say it was. Yeah, because, and it was interesting in the process of 
that preference assessment is she ended up choosing something that she had never thought she would choose. Like out of the 10 things she chose, they were, it wasn't even the one that she thought she would choose. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah. Paired choice. I was pretty excited with myself for thinking about that one. (laughs) Give myself a little pat on the back. What about you? Do you have a, do you have one? Katie, do you have a preference assessment in a real life example? So I use preference assessments all the time with my kids. So I have three kids. They're young. And my youngest one is four. And I always say he's my pistol because he's so, he's so stubborn. He gets it from his dad, just something awful. And so being in the field of behavior analysis, I always try to use like that forced choice assessment, but in like a natural environment, right? So if he's just throwing a tantrum and he doesn't know what he wants to wear for school or whatever, I'll take two options and I'll say, okay, do you want these or these? And he always says, I hate them both. And so I am not even like sure at that point, like what to do. Yes. Because I'm just like, you just, here I am thinking that I'm so great that I'm going to use the horse choice and my four-year-old <laughs> I hate them both. Um, but I think I use it a lot in, in parenting giving my kids those choices or just seeing what they prefer. And then I can use those. So like they love the iPad. They always ask for the iPad. Can I have the iPad? Can I have the iPad? So I can use that as a reinforcer for them to do chores. Like if you, or use it for the pre-Mac principle. If first you do chores, then you can have the iPad. Um, So it's, it, you you use it in everyday life, not just in ABA. Do you want? <laughs> and sometimes it's successful, and sometimes, sometimes it's not. Oh my gosh! So I feel like I know we're running kind of at the end, but I feel like we need to do at least one pop cultural culture uh, <laughs> preference assessment. Well, so I just watched a Friends episode where Joey's big Katie break. I think. Yeah. And Joey, um, Phoebe's trying to figure out like what I can't remember if she's met at Ross or whatever, but so she did preference assessment. She was like, um, and all I can think of is, would you rather sleep with Monica or Rachel? Would, is this going to be my big break or not? Like he did a preference assessment with everyone. I think that's what Katie was yeah, talking when about you, when too, you right? said the friends reference with the preference assessment. All I can think of is when Joey asked Ross, who would you rather sleep with Monica or Rachel? Yeah, that's exactly. gross. And, and uh, Joey and all of his wisdom goes, Oh, I forgot you have that history with Rachel. And it's like Monica's sister. So yeah, that was, <laughs> I totally got that when I, you said the friends and the preference. Yes. <laughs> exactly exactly that's great all right well on that note let's move to our end of class review uh, where mom provides a score of one to five on my teaching I feel like I'm gonna get a one right now um but one is I'll find a different teacher two is you didn't yell at me three is it could go either way four good thing I taught you well or five I love learning from my daughter um, 
So I feel like today I'm going to be like, it could go either way. I'm going to tell you why. Because um, all I can think of in my head is when you go to, if I go to Capella, so that's the school I go to, I guess. Capella is not a sponsor, but if they would like to sponsor our podcast, I would appreciate it. I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But they there's this video of this little guy that does preference assessments and they show it. I've seen the video. I've been in my ABA program for a year and I think we've talked about preference assessments like six different times. And it's the same video of this little guy doing his preference assessments. And so that probably is what helped me with preference assessments. But I think you did a good job too. But he does a really good job of doing his little pretend preference assessments. It's because I'm falling out of love with teaching, right? Like you're trying not to hurt my feelings even more than than they're already hurt. Falling out of love of teaching. Mm, I don't think that's what's happening. I think you're um, falling out of love with a certain student. <laughs> it, it happens. All joy. No joy right now. No, no joy. No joy. No joy. All right. Well, I said oh, you're a great ahead, teacher please. for me. Everything I learned, I learned from Brian. Oh, look at Aw, there okay. you get some swag. Thanks. No, yeah, no class bonuses at Kato. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Oh, you get a hug. Yes. If that's what you would like, I'm virtually. <laughs> Unless that's in your space and then we wouldn't want to like cross any sort of HR boundaries that oh would be goodness. so. All right. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Teaching My Mother ABA. So head over to our Facebook and Instagram at knowledge.now.solutions and check out all the events we have going on in whatever month this is going to air from CEUs to mentorship to curriculum development. Don't forget to sign up for our Be In The Know Patreon to access, access, to access some amazing freebies. Um, thank you to KNOW Behavioral Solutions for sponsoring, teaching my mother ABA and Pretty Easy Podcast for making us sound so good. And remember, it's all fun and games until you have to teach your mother ABA. Oh my, have-